This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. Sam Knight is away at the Wolf Sex Photography World Championship in Alberta. He'll be back after Labor Day. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. You can subscribe on patreon.com slash districtsentinel to get all the bonus content and your own haiku written for you in red at the end of the show today. Before Sam left, we did have a chance to record an interview with the Young Turks investigative journalist and FOIA extraordinaire Ken Klippenstein, who is making his debut on District Sentinel Radio. We discussed Ken's latest story on the FBI hyping up the threat of so-called black identity extremists and the Bureau trying to infiltrate Black Lives Matter groups after Ferguson. So I'm going to play that interview for you right now and then meet you on the other end of it with some poetry. And then we'll just call it a day. Enjoy. All right, Ken. uh, First things first, what's the latest on Harry Cherry? Should, Should... I continue to cyber bully him or should we just move on? Um, I think we're having a sort of detente now um, since he uh, dunked on President Trump and uh, said he regretted um, ever supporting him. Obviously, that's like, you know, not that's like the bare minimum, but that is progress. So I say uh, cease, ceasefire for the time being. I could have sworn I saw Jordan Yule quote tweet him and say that actually Harry Cherry is no, he's not good. But I couldn't see the tweet because Harry Cherry blocked me. Um, so I guess I don't know. Uh, well, well, isn't Jordan launching uh, an investigation into find Harry Cherry's long-form birth certificate to determine if that really is indeed his real name? <laughs> well, the thing I don't understand is if it wasn't, why would he say that his name is Harry Cherry? <laughs> That's like would be like the biggest cell phone in history. It's got a, it's got a nice ring to <laughs> yeah. it, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's move on to actual uh, things that actually matter. I mean, Harry Cherry does matter, and he's he in a way he's Harry an Cherry. archetype for the Trump administration for the Trump era. This is just beginning. Harry Cherry is just starting to matter. We're at the early stages of the Harry Cherry era. Harry Cherry is going to be president in like 2056. The Harry Chera. Uh, the Harry Chera. And uh, we're really going to wish we didn't crush the Republican Party under under our boots uh, then under President Harry Cherry. Anyway, uh, let, let's talk about something that isn't Harry Cherry. Uh a fairly serious matter, the FBI being a shitty racist institution. Um, you did some reporting recently, which advanced a story uh, came out in 2017 that uh, Trump's FBI was targeting black activists and labeling them, quote, black identity extremists. The Bureau claimed that it had dropped the label recently Uh not really what's going on here. So, Ken, how was the FBI deceiving the public? Yeah, and what's, I think, particularly egregious is that, um, you know, there, uh, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, he testified under oath um, to the Senate just a few weeks ago, like, re- like right after, it was right right before the story came out, yeah, um, saying that, you know, they had dropped the term. And um, what they had done was they changed the term um, in what's called the FBI, FBI's um, counterterror priorities list, 
this is a list of official counter-terror priorities that determines how much uh, resources, manpower, and you know attention they they put towards these different things. Um, and so instead the, the of the ultimate spreadsheet in Washington D.C. is is the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the spreadsheet wonks out there can uh, click through it. I embed the um, <clears throat> documents in the story uh, so you can see it. And um, what they did was they changed black identity extremists to racially motivated extremists. However, if you um, like look up that priority specifically, and I have people inside that um, were able to do that, and I post those documents in the story too, um, it still contains black extremists. They just changed it to an innocuous sounding uh you know, title on the priorities, but then if you, you know, look up the definition of the priority, um, much of the same um, constituent definitions are in there. So while what Ray said was narrowly true, it's technically not on the priorities list anymore, it's still clearly, you know, something they use to define these things. And not just the term black identity extremist, if you look up the definition of that term, they cite as this group's origins um, the Ferguson protests. Um, so this is clearly a politicized, um, you know, group and a politicized definition of it and so i don't know i found that um you know pretty shocking that the um he just said that straight up to the senate and and, and it seems disingenuous at best to me and you also note in your reporting that how they label black identity extremists and they've dropped the the label per se but it's still the same definition they don't really offer any examples of of what this looks like, but when it comes to white, right, suprem white supremacist, right wing nationalist violence, there are plenty of examples that are listed. Yeah, this is by the FBI's own. I mean, so you look at the documents, and they assert very confidently that um, black identity extremists have, um, you know, been behind violent attacks. Um, I think they even say lethal attacks. Um, and then, but then they don't cite any examples. On the other hand, um, if you look at um, their definition of white supremacists um, in the same documents, they can they, they cite offhand like half a dozen examples. Um, it's, I found that pretty I found that pretty telling. It, it's it's also kind of um, funny because like offhand, off the top of my head, you know, I can think of one example which they may be able to pigeonhole, which is when that dude in Dallas shot like six cops, and and yet they don't even seem to think that one uh, is an example, and and it's just I guess kind of shows the FBI's incompetence. Uh, whatever, we'll just throw the well, the black identity extremists in with the in with the white identity extremists, and uh, then we could put everything in a black box and hide just how much we're well, being this, racist. It, this here. is sort of like the Bureau's version of all lives matter. And aside from the obvious, which is the Bureau has a long history of targeting black activists for racist reasons, but faced with irrefutable evidence of a violent white supremacist problem and plenty of examples of that, the Bureau is still clinging to, well, all sorts of violence are bad. So in the same way that terms like all lives matter downplayed the pain and suffering that blacks face in the criminal justice system, you see the FBI using the term like all violence matters, all racially motivated violence matters, downplaying how serious the white nationalist problem is in this country. Yeah, that's exactly true. And if you look at it, they end up conflating the two because they're both under the same um, term and they're both, I mean, there's no indication that there's more... Um, attention or that there's a higher, um, you know, 
consideration of, of threat from the white supremacists as from the, you know, so-called black extremists. Um, and that's, you know, pretty wild given the um, gulf in uh, evidence we have for, you know, how much violence white supremacists have caused. Um, so, yeah, I think the documents show a very clear conflation of those two groups. Is there a difference in this sort of approach that you've seen between, like since Trump came into office. I know that in 2009, the Obama administration was warning about uh, right-wing terrorism, and they had to like squash that report because Fox News went nuts because it mentioned that perhaps former troops might be vulnerable to this this sort of ideology and carry out violence in the name of it. Um, is is this this kind of has there, I guess, been more of a focus to ignore or conflate white supremacy with black identity extremism under the Trump administration? Or has this sort of been the MO? I know if you just look at the FBI, they have a long history in this thing. But I'm wondering if there's been any sort of switch in recent history between the Obama administration and the Trump administration on this issue. Yeah, uh, I don't want to let the bureau off the hook on their, um, you know, rather triggered history at best on, on this kind of stuff. So you're right to point out that, you know, it was far from perfect under Obama, but I do think um, it's gotten worse in the, you know, uh, some of the negative tendencies have accelerated under the president administration. Um, the documents uh, go from fiscal year 2017 to, or I'm sorry, 2018 to 2020. So they don't provide insight into the Obama administration, but um, the sources I have um, at both the bureau and other intelligence agencies, um, have told me that that um the, so like the the focus of the story black identity extremists this is this was all a trump i, I don't know for sure yet but what i'm what i'm told is that this this stuff there was pressure from the white house i don't know i don't know that for certain but i have pretty good sources saying that um so uh i would i would, would speculate with some that would be shocking if that's true <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah it, it really it really just uh, like the entire and you know i don't mean to suggest that your reporting says this because it doesn't. This is me just sort of reading between the lines. But yeah. it, it seems like if you were a government official and you didn't want to go after white nationalists, you could lump them together uh, w- with with Black Lives Matter. Say it's one big racially thing, racial thing. It's all just a racial thing. And you have this data to show, you know, people in Congress, oh, we're going after both groups. But really, like, it's just a black box. And, you know, 97% of the resources are used to go after Black Lives Matter. 3% of the resources uh, are used to go after white nationalists or something. But then you have your cover. Yeah, well, so if you look at the um, documents, you can sort I mean, the fact that they're... um Priorities means that there's what's called collection um, requirements for these things. Um, that's sort of a euphemism for um, surveillance. Yeah. And uh, one thing that struck me was that the description of collection of black identity extremists um, seemed a lot more um, specific and different than than with the white supremacists. Yeah. Um, I do believe that the FBI is putting resources towards the white supremacists. I don't think it's nothing. Right. But um, what was what seemed noteworthy was that they described trying to like. Um, not just recruiting, um, what do they call it, um, confidential informants within the black extremist groups, but also describing issues that they've had um, trying to do that and saying um, it's very difficult to gain the trust of 
these guys and it's been difficult to penetrate it. And that's a, so that's a degree of specificity about that process that I didn't see with the white supremacists. Again, I do believe that they're working on the white supremacist thing. I know people inside that do actually seem to care about that stuff. So I, I don't think that, um, you know, resources being put towards it is zero, but it, but the, at least from the documents, it seemed quite different. Is, is the stuff you're describing uh, with the uh, effort to cultivate um, informants, is that, is that, Iron Fist, uh, as as you noted in the uh, in, in your report. Yes, yeah. That, what was amazing to me about that? So they have the, that's the code name of um, of of pro- this, the of the informant cultivation project for Black Black Lives Matter, basically, or Black uh, activists. If I recall, it goes beyond that, but yes, that's part of it. And what's amazing is that um, so they had a. Him for the white supremacist one, but it sounded like a lot more innocuous. It was something <laughs> like, it was something like Supreme Sentinel or something, just some boring term. And then for the black extremists, it was Iron Fist. Iron Fist, like Jesus blood. Christ! It sounds. It, it, I know, right? It it's like very it's close like to a, Iron Cross. Movie yeah. yeah. Oh God, I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> we're we're gonna call our anti-white nationalist program. Uh, the, you know the old guard dog the old farm guard dog and we're gonna call all our fucking you know anti-black surveillance program fucking death eagle or something it's don't be too obvious about it guys well i was looking at it and i just was like it felt like it was in a bad movie or something i blinked because i thought i misread it it was like so insane so you so what what is up with iron fist just just break it down here um, it's kind of like Sam said. It, I mean, this is the code name for their. Uh, so that in in the priorities, they have to um, come up with um, countermeasures to counter these, you know, supposed counter terror threats. Threats, and so um, the 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 name of uh, you know their big program for countering black identity extremists was um, Iron Fist, and so that includes um, you know not just collection but like um, general strategy um, for how to try to undermine what they perceive as the, the terror threat posed by these guys. There's there's something disturbing and obviously there there's no connection that's been discovered yet, but you see these documents and the FBI have a program called Iron Fist to infiltrate these black identity extremist groups, which they list Black Lives Matter, uh, and they say this comes from Ferguson and we've seen in recent years a number of Ferguson activists dead under mysterious circumstances and under similar circumstances. And just the fact that the FBI is like has these documents that they're discussing a COINTEL program uh, targeting them. I don't know. It's, it's all a coincidence right now, but nonetheless still disturbing. Yeah, I'm a bit frustrated because I thought that substantiating some of this stuff um, would trigger... Um, not just, you know, follow up in the media, but um, also in Congress that they had been, uh, you know, either very disingenuously um, addressed by the director um, or, you know, at worst lied to, depending on um, your interpretation of, of, of how that played out. And I've seen pretty much no follow up. I mean, <clears throat> I have pretty decent sources within the bureau, but I'm sure there are reporters at the bigger papers that have better ones, and I haven't yeah. I haven't seen or heard from hardly any of them. So I, I find, I'm pretty disappointed by that. Well, hopefully, when Congress comes back into session uh, after the summer holiday, we'll see some movement on something. It might have to wait until a congressional hearing, because as you noted, 
uh, a lot of reporters are just fucking dog shit and uh, they only want to talk about, you know, how many McFish Trump ate or whatever. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyway, uh, Ken, you are a, a part of a, tra- a, a proud tradition of journalists that file FOIA requests for everything and uh, respect for that. Casting any nets out there right now that you're particularly excited about on the uh, on the old FOIA front? Oh man, I got so many nets out there that are getting tangled with each other, and I'm getting <laughs> having to. It's there's so much. I just you know people are always like, oh, how do you get this stuff? But the stuff that you see that I get, that's a small fraction of the stuff I send out. Yeah, because FOIA is so you know hit or miss. Um, I've certainly sent stuff out. Um, in relation to this, I'm not holding my breath because the bureau is yeah. really bad about anything that um, makes them look bad. I mean, any institution with FOIA, one of the tricks I've learned is um, you want to ask maybe competing agencies that have like turf conflicts with another one or just agencies that maybe don't have skin in the game in terms of like um, the documents they give you making themselves look bad. But um, I've certainly, you know, requested a bunch of stuff in relation to this. Um, I would encourage people to like use that because anyone can do it. People are always like, always like, what kind of credentials do I need? It's like, oh, dude, literally, any like, you could be, you could, you could be like a Russian national and you could file a FOIA request. Like, there's nothing in the law that prohibits um, anyone, like you know, felons, whatever. Like, there's no anyone can request them, and it's not, uh, it, you know, there's a learning curve, but um, I'd say the best way to learn is just by messing around and, and trying and see what works, see what doesn't. I imagine you've got so many out there that you it's a nice surprise when you get them in the mail. You're like, oh, I forgot I sent that one off a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes I'll get ones in like priority mail and then the uh, woman that is like the property manager for the um, apartment that apartment complex that we live in, she'll be sitting there looking and she'll like have an email saying that something up and she looks like really scared. She's like, it's something from the FBI. <laughs> I have to explain to her. Like, oh no, it's just like open record stuff. It's nothing very inter- interesting. But it's like it's in this big gigantic envelope, and it says like it says like uh, for Ken Klippenstein only or something. So they get really creeped up with that stuff. <laughs> so was this uh, this this story uh, you did recently uh, with 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 the your inside source? I mean, how how do you feel like that compares to FOIA? I mean, it's obviously like way better isn't it when you just have someone on the on the inside give you something minimal redactions etc oh yeah and i tagged the fbi when i got that i was like hey you know if you foia worked i wouldn't have to like get these leaks and have everything because they were marked law and sense law enforcement sensitive and so that could have like um investigative techniques and 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 methods and things uh but like what the fuck am i supposed to do like i request this stuff and you guys make it fucking impossible um, I mean, the, I mean, I don't know how you prove this, but I'm sure there's like a correlation between uh, how um, responsive an uh, uh, agency is to records requests and then how many leaks there are, uh, or how not responsive, I guess I should say. Hmm. So, yeah, this is like, I mean, at least for me, not everyone has the like research, you know, it's a very particular type of people that, that leak. And so you have to find ways. It's, I mean, it is time consuming to find them, but it's just infinitely easier. Um, I still, you know, I do a lot of FOIA and everything, but it's like, um, it's, I don't know. It just makes me mad, man. It's like, fuck you. Like, you're not going to give me shit. And then you have to, yeah. and then you get mad yeah. when there's a leak. Like what, you, you want to have it both ways. You want to have no leaks and you want to have no, you know, that's what they always say. They say, go through the process. Well, the process doesn't fucking work. Process and does not work. These people leak. 
I these people could get in huge trouble for leaking. They're not going to do it unless they feel like they have to, you know. I once filed a FOIA um, for this report that came up in some Senate committee investigation, and it was like a DHS agent was sending something up the chain being like, hey, this, uh, you know, there, there's this list of, of Muslim authors you should read. Uh, that this mosque put out and a few a few of the authors were on like a terror watch list and and they were wondering like what the implications of that were so i file a foia i was like what why the fuck are these authors on some sort of terror watch list and all i got back was just like three giant black rectangles (laughs) it's like yeah yeah awesome i know that the documents exist like you could at least not kill the few trees for this oh yeah and I think national security, they're going to abuse like, like, so the best stuff is like, um, you know, the EPA, the, uh, I don't know, like health and human services, the worst stuff is going to be national security because they can just claim anything is like, going to hurt the national security and, and judges and things are very different. Like, uh, I've seen, if you read, if you look at like the FOIA litigation about it, uh, I'm exaggerating, but only slightly here. If you look at the defense, which is always the, um, Department of Justice, they'll be like to the judge, will be like, "Do you want to be responsible for the next 9/11?" And the judge will be like, "Oh my God, no!" And so they'll <laughs> just show like enormous deference to the, um, to the state, and when, whenever it concerns national security, which is so, ridiculous because um, the judges yeah. can review the the information themselves and be like, "Actually, this is being ridiculous. This isn't going to cause the next yeah. 9/11. Stop being a fucking dick." Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's a class thing to some extent too, because they all went to the same schools and they all go to the same parties. I mean, come on, yeah. you know. Like- but another interesting thing. I'm sorry if I'm rambling here, but uh, just just talking FOIA stories. Can uh, I, I like in 2013 or 2012, like well, ages ago, I filed a FOIA uh, to the to Africom, the uh, African division of the Pentagon. Yeah. I, I wanted to. I was basically looking for any analysis that tied president Obama's then pivot to Asia to Africa. I was looking for like a nexus between the two with like, you know, competing for foreign resources, excuse me, natural resources and stuff in Africa. And I did not get a response until like 2018 and the Trump admitted someone obviously within the Trump administration found the request and was like, Oh, (laughs) looks like uh, this won't hurt us at all, but could possibly uh, embarrass the Obama administration, and then they suddenly respond at like six years out of the blue. Yep. I get a response to be like, "Hey, we found this FOIA request from you," and of course I was like, "Yeah, let's let's process that shit." But it, it was just like it was so ridiculous. It's so blatant. To be honest, I've been hoping more that stuff would happen under Trump. But he's, uh, you know, I would guess he's so lazy and out of touch that uh, yeah. you know, not really doing that because he could be doing way more damage if what he wants to do is embarrass obama and he's certainly done some of that i've seen some requests that seem that appear to me to just be that but um he could do way more i just i i mean he didn't change i can tell you at the fbi he didn't change the head of the FOIA division mm. and i don't think he's changed one funny thing i got something back from the state department once um and i was told um from people at state um that uh they don't they, it's hard to fire someone without cause so just for purely political things so 
easier thing the Trump administration has done is take the, um, you know, say they're diplomats or whatever, not just the like actual like ambassador, but uh, the diplomatic staff under them, they're called foreign service officers. They'll mm-hmm. take them and move them. They'll kind of put them out to pasture in the FOIA unit, knowing that that's a pretty irrelevant, relatively irrelevant job to, to have within state. Yeah. And then, so, but they, what they didn't, what they didn't anticipate was that, well, if you just put all of the perceived, you know, liberals in, <laughs> in the FOIA unit, they're going to start undermining you. So then I started getting these great documents from state around that same time <laughs> that I ended up getting one where they actually gave me a, a confidential informant and they didn't redact the name of like an Israeli um, ministry of defense official um, who was saying that essentially that Trump's, um, policy of cutting aid to the Palestinians was insane and was going to like destroy the security situation in the area. And I never would have gotten that under the Obama administration, but he put, he put all these liberals that were pissed off. And obviously if you incompetence, that's that's taken off your, you know, long time. Yeah. That classic Trump incompetence. It's not, it's, it's more like it's, it goes back to your, your FOIA advice kind of playing the agencies against each other, playing the administrations against each other because ultimately everybody's just a, messy bitch in this administration (laughs) and any administration yeah exactly i always thought that like activists um and leftists would be best at this stuff because because they really understand power and how power sort of operates um and that's something that unfortunately a lot of kind of like foreigners tend to be uh you know i'm making a judgment call here but my impression is a lot of them tend to be sort of libertarian minded um and you know just not the same mindset um, to be able to think of how, you know, how these institutions are going to cover their asses and, and try to mm. advance their own interests. Oh, yeah. And then the AFRICOM thing. That reminds me, uh, Nick Turst does really great FOIA work on AFRICOM. And um, what's wild is whenever he reports a story in The Intercept, everyone's always like, oh, yeah, great story, which it is. But then you look at the documents, it's like, wait, these are from like six years ago. <laughs> and I'm always surprised people aren't more annoyed. Um, Nick isn't sitting on them. It's just that he gets them back like way late. And I always feel like people should be more annoyed that they couldn't produce it faster i mean i just got one response literally last week this past week where i filed one i can't remember i think it was with the defense intelligence agency or no no, no it was with ncis the 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 police the, the military police um for the navy yeah and i filed one like five or six years ago and then he replied he's like oh are you still interested in this and i got so fucking mad and i was like yes i'm still interested in it and i would have been interested in it five years ago and it's like, this is why we get leaks, because every one of these motherfuckers is always like, oh, leakers should be shot. Or, you know, that so many of these people are just hate leaks. It's like, motherfucker, if you don't give me anything, that's what's going to happen. They don't understand it. It's yeah. like an equation. You know, if something is on one side, it's going to correspond to something on the other. And they just don't fucking get it. It makes me so angry. Jesus Christ. I, I, keep, <laughs> I have to talk about something else. I get too mad. <laughs> you got to well, balance I, your fractions. I mean, I, I started right, getting right. really discouraged from FOIA because like, like I, like we've been talking about it, that it'll be years before you get something. And even if it's interesting, it's like, how do you pitch this to an editor, you know, <laughs> about a six year old right. policy that et cetera, et cetera. Well, I've had a lot of it's it's a range, man. If you if you have like me the shotgun approach and just send a bunch of stuff out, you'd be surprised. Sometimes you'll get stuff back like quite fast. It's just um, a lot of it. I mean, it's a mix, you know. And then they make mistakes too. Sometimes they'll produce stuff they shouldn't. So you never know. I think it's I think it can be worth it quite a lot. It's just um, I wish there was more pressure for them to to you know take the law more seriously. Ken Klippenstein, Young Turks investigative reporter. Krasenstein brother, unofficial, 
Uh, Harry Cherry Destroyer. Harry Cherry Destroyer. <laughs> degenerate, chronic, posting, disease, sufferer. And no longer a District Sentinel Fight Radio Virgin. Yeah, you, you've popped your Harry Cherry. <laughs> oh, I was going to make that joke. You beat me there. <laughs> and, well, if it makes you feel any better, it was really fucking obvious, and I feel pretty cheap for having said it. But uh, anything, well, I didn't say it, so. <laughs> anything you want to plug right now? I guess everyone knows to find you on Twitter, at Ken Klippenstein, all one word. Uh, anything else? An Instagram account for your cat or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm an Instagram thought now. I'm the FOIA thought guy. No, if you uh, if you're in government, if you're in government, hit me up at Signal. Um, I'm two zero two five one zero twelve sixty eight. There it is. There it is. Awesome. Thank you, Clint. Uh, thank you, Ken. Clint Kippenstein. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. Hell you yeah. too. Thanks again to Ken. Now time for that haiku. All new subscribers on Patreon get their own haiku written for them and read on the air. Five bucks a month, you get access to all the bonus content you want. But for as little as a dollar a month or whatever you can spare, you still get that haiku. This first one goes out to Carl Rainier. On 9-11, I was the vice president, Joe Biden tells crowd. Thank you, Carl Rainier. Next up, this is for Lars. Easy on Joe. He was Veep when Clinton fainted on 9-11. Thank you, Lars. This one's for Shirog. Joe Biden is fine, said his brain surgeon today. Totally normal. Thank you, Shirog. Finally, this is for Jeffrey. Always losing coins. Similar to Joe Biden, always losing brains. And thank you to Jeff. Thanks to all the new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. We still got a few more haiku to read tomorrow. If you haven't heard yours yet, tune in then. That's the show for today, though. Thank you to our subscribers and thanks to the general listeners for tuning in. Back tomorrow in D.C. so you don't have to be.